Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Thank you. There they are. Oh, man. This has been a fake wall the whole time. There's our studio audience. Oh, my God. Y'all are beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Matt, what are they cheering about today? Oh, it's our 100th Epipod. 100. 100. Here come the balloons. Oh, my God. Wait, 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 wait. Matt, where are the balloons? Oh, was I supposed to get the balloons? Dude. I had one job. We talked about this on our very first Epipod. Hey, man, we hit 100. You're on balloon duty. I'm on balloon duty. <laughs> Dang it. Your other podcast is going to have a field day with oh, this Oh, man, one. talking shit about Matt. Gosh, we hit our 100, like, spring, <laughs> yeah. I think. You're almost yeah. on 150 at this yeah, point. that's right. Jeez. Oh, 100. 100. Apropods. The hundy. Is that what we call it? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the hundy. I'm down. We're on the hundy. We're on the hundy. That's wild, man. Four years. Four more years. Yeah. Four more yeah. years. That's what everybody say. That's what they mean when they chant that. 2019, mm-hmm. August, we hit record. Didn't know what the hell we were doing. Didn't know what we were doing. And so then it's just, I said, uh, welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. And yep. you were like. My name is also Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that'll work. Boom. Which is funny because like, welcome. Yeah. You welcome. They're not here. <laughs> yeah, Does right. anyone else say welcome? Maybe the Tonight Show? A lot of people really do consider us the Johnny Carsons of podcasting. Did you always throw back so far? <laughs> There's been three hosts since then. <laughs> That's a pretty good rate. We're cranking out some shows it's here. It's not bad, yeah. Not bad at all. Do you do nostalgia, Matt? Are you good at looking back? Are you good at pausing in the moment? Not particularly. I think this goes back to like a big project or a big paper. Yeah. Like as soon as I got done with it, I moved on to the next thing. So this is like an exam? It doesn't help that I send you a report card afterwards. With certain things, like bolded and underlined. <laughs> Pay close attention to this. 14.55 into the show, you said this. I really wish you had said this. And then I, yeah. We'll break it down on my other podcast. Yeah. Talking shit about that. <laughs> the award-winning. That's podcast. right. Knowing that we were coming up on the Hundy, mm-hmm. I did start thinking a little bit back on like some kind of almost milepost moments as we've done finest work songs i feel like a few epipods where i felt like we really started to hit our stride or felt like we had something really That's fun yeah as we've said a million times we just started doing this for fun as a way to keep talking about music and just hang out hanging and out and this is my hobby now i don't do puzzles i don't do pickleball this is my outlet the first epipod where i thought Oh, okay. This is something we've got. We've got something fun here. Was the Michael Jackson Thriller one. That was our third Epipod. It was really the first time where we were doing stupid, dumb jokes about Michael Winslow and the absurdity of the orbit around Michael Jackson at that time. Who did the wolf? It's just sound effects at the beginning. Maybe they got Michael Winslow from Police Academy to come in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's all thriller he's doing the wolf <laughs> and the door right just awesome. and he kept going he's like you guys i could do I, a, I could do a uh, car engine yeah that's right what else does he do in that movie you want a bus backfiring you want a blender God. you want me to do you want me to do vincent price i can do vincent price <laughs> that's right it's not vincent price michael winslow it was funny to us and I didn't care if anyone else thought it was funny. It's two dudes hanging out at a bar or two dudes on a road trip. Yep. These conversations happen yeah. and you laugh. I think it would be weird if we said, well, let's turn on the mics and then not be ourselves. Right. If you're sitting there on a road trip with a friend and you're cracking jokes and doing dumb bits or whatever, you're yeah. not sitting there thinking, what would other people think of this? Yeah, exactly. And so I'm unashamed in saying like, yeah, I really like what we do. 
and it makes me laugh. If it didn't, why, why would we do it? Yeah, why get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to, before work to do this Yeah, we didn't enjoy it? Our live throwing copper epipod. Yeah. When people ask me, like, what are your favorite ones? Again, it was just the ridiculousness of us making up personas of this band, <laughs> their interactions with one another. Ed Kowalczyk with his ponytail, dipping it in chocolate. <laughs> it fit easily within pop music and alternative music and college music. Mm-hmm. It sort of dipped a toe in each. Yeah, it dipped some cheese it, and it, all. all it that. dipped Ed Kowalczyk's rat tail <laughs> in, like, each pond. <laughs> which listen if you're like who's what ed kowalczyk is the lead singer and he had a monumental rat tail oh yeah that you need to check out stop the podcast right now google Google. ed kowalczyk you'll know how to spell it uh rat tail or just google melting pot famous guests (laughs) and they love him because he always dips the rat tail (laughs) that's how he tests the cheese you know he dips the rat tail in the cheese and then just like (laughs) just kind of slurps it off (laughs) <laughs> he lets his family taste it too. Hey, hey kids it's like a mama bird yeah, that's right. feeding the youngsters <laughs> i remember that one thing like i don't even know if we talked about the band we just laughed yeah the last kind of mile post was our back-to-back up the pods we did with lionel richie and we are the world oh, yeah doing essentially like a mystery science theater 3000 yeah with both of those of watching along with how bob dylan struggling with we are the world (laughs) how funny that was and having Dwayne talk about that with us the lionel richie hello video doing commentary over that (laughs) he walks uninvited into her ballet class singing hello I think you are letting her know. And you're letting everybody know. Like blatantly. Especially the authorities, hopefully. (laughs) Yes, this is a completely audio podcast. And that kind of made it even funnier to me. Was that you're just like, okay, if you're watching at home, here's where she's making the statue of Lionel's head. And to me, those are like the moments that if people ask me, like, what are your, your favorite ones? Those are probably the three for those very reasons. What you remember isn't this final product. It's the experience that we have in the room, in the moment, and that really is the most fun. One moment for me that stands out is our Tom Petty epipod. We started this in August 2019, so it wasn't long before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. 2020 was hell for everybody. For me, it was societal, but it was also just some personal stuff some work stuff that tom petty epipod was during a really rough patch Mm -hmm. it reminded me how music plays a part these songs on wildflowers yeah these songs about it's time to move on it's wake-up time clearly he's struggling through something and it was very much personal for me and i even remember after the epipod being like that was tough and and you were like yeah i could tell like you're going through something so it was nice to have that time with you yeah. yeah, we get together and laugh and everything, but we also have a deep friendship through yeah. this. Mm-hmm. The podcast has been surprisingly much more than just the many laughs that we have. Yeah, there's definitely a cathartic thread to doing this mm-hmm. for me as well, because it's an opportunity to not only just share music and share memories about music and what the music means to us, but how it still means something to us and how it still helps us get through this crazy thing called life yeah. that, that is not easy and has not been easy for the last four years. We talk about what those albums meant to us as we were growing up. Yeah. And it's always looking back, but it's hard to do that in real time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that Tom Petty Wildflowers, an album I've been familiar with, but it hit me still. And that shows you that albums and music are still going to 
mm-hmm. be with us in impactful ways. It's not just like nostalgia looking back on being a teenager. Thanks for sharing that. This is awkward as I've, I'm telling you right now. I'm quitting the podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. A new pickleball would win out. Gosh. Another fun part is the guests that we've had on, Matt. We've been really lucky with the guests. You never know how someone's going to be when you put a microphone in front of them and tell them to spill their innermost thoughts about an artist or an album or something like that. The guests have been phenomenal. Not only with their time and willingness to do this, but their insights and the way they've shared how important some of this music has meant to them and some great stories. I'm grateful that we get to do this, Matt. Mm -hmm. Grateful to our our wives, our kids. We're thankful to all of you, the Finest Work fans, for listening and engaging. It's been fun. Let's do 100 more. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Next, it's time for Share Time. When I was walking in Memphis, I was walking with my feet, 10 feet off a field. Walking in Memphis. Do I really feel the way I feel? Walking in Memphis. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what to say. Share time. It's funny because it's like we're going to share something with the listeners and also the wordplay on share. But I've failed every time at knowing who share was. And so finally, I just decided, you know what? Giving up. I'm going with what we know. I'm going with Mark Cohn walking in Memphis. Forget the whole share thing, man. But here's the thing. That was share. Matt. Yes. Mark Cohn sings Walking in Memphis. We've talked about the goat. I'm aware who Mark Cohn is. (laughs) The Cohn Zone. That was actually Cher this time, what? singing Walking in Memphis. Really? So I did it? You did it. That's yes. what all this confetti is for. Oh. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, share time is where we just want to share a book, a movie, a podcast. Something of interest that we think we just want to pass along to the Finest Work fans. That's right. And you know me. I'm always up on the most current, hippest <laughs> things right and so for this i want to share out a book that came out in 2011 okay here (laughs) we go i know you've read this book american nations by colin woodard and it's a really interesting look at how north america in particular is actually split up and was founded by almost different rival ethnic language factions if you will and those kinds of real or even imaginary territories and borders mm-hmm. play into a current day events and how we live, how we interact with each other and how it impacts politics and government and everything about life even today, all these many, many years later. It comes down to more of your tribe and family mm-hmm. and the values that the ancestors have passed down and experienced. The different nations, if you will. So you've got Yankeedom, which was really New York, Northern Pennsylvania, up through New England. You've got New Netherlands, which was you know, encompasses New York City across the sort of Hudson Valley that way. But what was interesting to me is North Carolina is one of those few states that has, according to Woodard, three different nations intersecting. Mm-hmm. So you've got you got vinegar, <laughs> yeah. base sauce, yes. tomato base, exactly, sauce, and then your weird South Carolina mustard. mustard. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yep, yep. Good job. There you it read is. The book. So you've got Greater Appalachia. As you would imagine, covers a lot of mountain folk. folk. You've got the Deep South, which goes from southeastern North Carolina down through Florida over across Louisiana into some parts of Texas. And then Tidewater, Mm -hmm. which comes down obviously from Delaware, eastern Virginia into northeastern North Carolina. As I was looking at the map that is provided, it made me realize that you and I 
are related. <gasps> we're kinfolk. We're Tidewater Bros. You're from Tidewater I'm, too. I'm from Tidewater too. I never knew that. Oh my gosh! I didn't. I mean, I read that book years ago, but I think before we met. According to this, Harnett County is actually a Tidewater County. We're Tidewater so, Bros. We're Tidewater Bros. So, uh, so all the crap that I give you about Dunn and where you're from <laughs> and everything is like just point that finger back into yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Tidewater Bros. <laughs> Tidewater Bros. We're changing the name of the podcast. <laughs> there you go. That's my share time for this week. Please tell me, Matt, that this does not mean we have to talk about my least favorite artist, Cher, for our 100th Epipod of Finest Works. You you can relax. We're not going to talk about Cher for our 100th. Today, we're going to be talking about Whitney Houston. only fitting, Matt, that in our first epipod, we talked about Bobby Brown. We were talking about R.E.M.'s Automatic for the People. Well, so naturally, we would talk Bobby Brown. But somehow Bobby Brown came up. How did he come up? I don't remember. Oh, we looked at the charts. Oh, that's right. And we saw that Humping Around (laughs) by Bobby Brown was on there. That's right. So then we, gosh, we rode that out. We milked Humping Around for a long time. (laughs) We made it our tagline. Then you bought the vinyl album. And whenever we'd have a guest come on, we had to take a picture of them with the album. We made them say the tagline with us. (laughs) We'll be back soon with another album. But in the meantime, like Bobby Brown, we hope you keep humping around. Like Bobby Brown, we hope you keep humping around. Humping around. Humping around. around. Are you going to join us on Humping Around? Yeah, wait. Like, what do I do? Just say, I'm humping around. I've seen. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you keep. Humping around. Humping around. We can't wait to talk about more albums. Humping around. Not yet, Shingler. (laughs) Have we gotten to the humping? Oh my gosh. That's all you've been waiting for. All right. I can wait to hump around. (laughs) And Bobby Brown is still to this day the main photo on our Facebook page. Oh gosh. (laughs) Which we probably should update that. New people come and they're like, wait, what is this? So we've talked about Bobby Brown all these years. Whitney has come up time and time oh, yeah. again. Who is fitting for the Hundy? The Hundy. We knew it had to be a legend. But Matt, we're not talking an album. We're deviating a little bit. Knowing this would be our 100th episode and that we would end up talking about a lot of memories and stuff like that, we thought, I don't know that we would have time to fully dive into an album. And we definitely don't have time to fully dive into the whole Whitney Houston no. story. No. But we thought this is a fitting artist for our 100th Epipod. So mm-hmm. we're going to hit some highlights of her. But as always... We like to start with our memories. So what is your memory of Whitney Houston? Yeah, I think my memory of Whitney was her coming out seemingly out of nowhere with that voice. And then she seemed like this girl next door, but also older than her years. What about you? Matt, did you know I'm not actually from the United States? You hide that well. Yeah, after I just talked about Tidewater <laughs> for 10 minutes. <laughs> First of all, nobody calls it Tidewater. Right. So this is a special epipod, and that's the only time I will refer to where I come from as Tidewater. (laughs) No, I actually, I grew up overseas, and my best friend was really rich. Okay. Royal rich. Oh, wow. Okay. And and he was actually betrothed to be married, very traditional family. Yeah. He wanted to break out of that and see if maybe he could chart his own path of love. Sure. So we headed on over to the United States. He didn't want people to know that he was rich because then they would 
They treat them differently. Yeah, and marry yeah. for money. You yeah, know? yeah. Gold yeah. diggers, man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We got jobs at fast food restaurant. It was kind of like McDonald's. Okay. But not. A little different. Just a little different. Slightly like little different. differences. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up going to this sort of, I don't know, rally. Okay. I think it was raising money. But this band came out, and they were just amazing. Okay. They played the song, and that song just really hit me in the heart. And I was like, where can I find this album? They were like, you don't know Greatest Love of All? That's a Whitney Houston song. I was like, well, I'm not from this country. And Anyway, I did convince my royal rich friend to give me enough money to go and buy the Whitney Houston album. And so I did, and that, that's how I heard of Whitney Houston. Did you ever find out the name of that band or who the singer was that covered it? It was something like... Um, Smut fudge. <laughs> I, I think. Oh, oh yeah, smut fudge. Yeah. <laughs> I remember smut fudge. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. <laughs> the guy who was a singer, smut fudge, that, that boy was good. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, was good. He was good. Yeah. If you've been listening for a while, for probably the first 75, 80 yeah. epipods, I would come up with a movie memory. And this actually... It came to me the night before we recorded our very first Epipod. Mm-hmm. I was just laying in bed trying to fall asleep, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if when I'm talking about my memory of REM's Automatic for the People that I tell the story of the Karate Kid and act like it's my own. And <laughs> right. Don't tell Matt. Yeah. Keep, keep a straight face. And it delivered. It, it was, was wonderful. so fun. I got deep quick. Moved I was getting school, beat up in high school up. and everything until <laughs> this old janitor... <laughs> jump down and just beat everybody up i remember the moment where it clicked with you it was made my day oh yeah i appreciate that you did it again for this one and i also appreciate that of all the movies to pick you picked this one because... i had two choices i mean it's the bodyguard or Come yeah that's America. true <laughs> and previous two-time guest troy fairbank and i over the several decades that we've known each other by this point 35 percent of our dialogue between one another is quoting coming to america oh, yeah more specifically this part of the movie exactly. yep. <laughs> with sexual chocolate i had to start a spreadsheet matt because it was like a year in and i was having a hard time keeping track of it all right so i looked back thinking surely i've done coming to america <laughs> but i had you were saving it there it is yep <laughs> so, it's all awesome. special all right well let's finally jump into the music here we're gonna take it back to one of our first memories of Whitney Houston from her first album this is how will i know
from the very first line, we get a sense of the power of her voice mm. when she hits that note on boy. Oh, man. Yeah, early accounts talk about her being in church. Mm-hmm. And the first time she sort of comes out in front of everybody and really sings, and just that people were weeping and yeah, you know, yeah. oh yeah, you know, just losing their minds. <laughs> she is Whitney Houston. They also knew her mom was Sissy Houston. Yeah, her like aunt or cousin is Dion Warwick. Her Dion, her godmother's darling love. I don't think they'd be like, what? Who is this person? Yeah. <laughs> who is this strange girl who just it's like a '90s rom-com when the girl takes off her glasses and everybody's, <gasps> she's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and now we accept her. Yeah. Yay! Yay. yeah. Now she can have the boy. She puts her glasses on. Like, Get out of the way, nerd. Where'd that pretty girl go? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that she had been on the cover of 17 mm-hmm. in 1981. She's got the jeans. She's got the pipe. She's got the training. She's got the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Clive Davis signed her when she was 19 years old. When year was she born? 63. So she got signed in 82. Yeah. And didn't come up with an album until 85. Mm. That's surprising. That is surprising. Matt says that Whitney placed second at a statewide talent showcase in 1977. How can we find out who was number one? Who she lost to? I'm sure that's probably buried. (laughs) Literally, she had the person killed. (laughs) Matt, this song was originally intended for Janet Jackson. Miss Jackson. Jackson. She (gasps) turned it down. Wow. Whitney's a better singer. Oh, yeah. It's probably for the better that Janet passed on it. You got to think it would have been a big hit for her as well. It's a great pop song. The label used connections to get Aretha Franklin's producer to produce a song. The person wouldn't do it unless he had the ability to change the song. Okay. Change the tempo, change the key. I would be curious to hear what it was like beforehand. Yeah. Because it's pop gold now. It is pop gold. And then she had her mom come in and sing backing vocals. The whole thing is top notch. Yeah. Janet's folks turned it down because they thought it was too weak in comparison to her other material. Interesting. It brings up a point that the strength of Whitney Houston is not in her songs. It's in her voice. I mean, there's been a lot of weak songs that she's had to sing Mm -hmm. because they were just like making pop hits. Yep. I could see where Janet had a lot more attitude. Janet in particular goes forward. She reinvents herself and her sound and her style many times over, whereas Whitney's pigeonholed into a couple silos if you will and which she fought against janet definitely has the more diverse musical discography if you will i mean janet's more respected as an artist whitney houston's nickname is the voice Mm -hmm. that is just like hey you've got this god-given talent yeah it's not the queen of soul that implies reign and ruling and and instead of just like you've been blessed with this really yeah that's a good point yeah just don't screw this up (laughs) yeah yeah but what a voice, Matt, oh my as we're going to see on this next single from her first album. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children
sort of elephant in the room when you talk about Whitney Houston as the covers. Sure. We talked about on the Dolly Parton Epipod. Mm-hmm. Whitney's cover of I Will Always Love You is iconic. Yeah. But what does Whitney do when someone else does that to her? Mm. I decided long ago Never to walk in any one shadow If I fail, if I succeed You can't take away my dignity Because the greatest Love of all Inside of me, sexy chocolate. We've talked about some of the great live performances yeah. of all time. Van Morrison doing Caravan at the Last Waltz. Yeah. Tracy Chapman at the Nelson Mandela. That's right. And then Sexual Chocolate, Greatest Love of All, <laughs> top three. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely top three. At that Queens Community Center. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking back, there was a time where, I think it was Harnett County Schools, if you had a certain... A's and B's, they would do like a community like celebration and get all the kids who had certain grades together to recognize them. And every year there would be a song that would be sung. One year it was From a Distance by Bette Midler. And it's this <laughs> aspirational kind of thing. That's what this song sounds like to me now. It's, this, it's very aspirational. It's very utopian. But the song itself is just pretty thin. Matt, this was a B-side because Clive Davis said no. <laughs> Clive... <laughs> You were wrong because America in the 80s ate this up. Oh my gosh, this is what we were here for, man. <laughs> Every kid gets a trophy for the first time ever. What music are we going to play? The certificate is going to have a shooting star on yes. it somehow. Everyone's getting one. We need a soundtrack to mediocrity. <laughs> and this is what we got. And this is what I mean about the songs that she is, is given. Yep. She is owning the pop world mm-hmm. with this first album. To suburban America, she comes out of nowhere on MTV and is. Mm-hmm. Immediately there, immediately a force, immediately a hit. Girl next door to sort of white America, she's not threatening. They call her like the R&B prom queen or something yeah. like that. She's wholesome. That's what they use is that word wholesome. Yeah. That's where she feels a little bit produced in terms of like her persona. Manufactured. Manufactured. Yeah. And that's what the industry does. And especially if you're going to be that big. But I heard one commentator say, you know, when we talk about crossover, they're really speaking to crossing over from... The R&B soul charts at the time called the black charts, right. crossing over to the pop world, mm-hmm. which implies that you couldn't do music that would be a number one on the R&B and yep. then have it. You have to choose. Yeah. And that seems to be the struggle that she faced. Mm-hmm. She gets booed at the Soul Train Awards <laughs> two years in a row and listen to interviews of her at the time. And she's saying, they're saying I'm not black enough. Yeah. I came from a black family. A I came from background. a gospel background. Mm-hmm. She was just so polished. And it's so sad that things had to be that categorized. And I know I don't fully understand two white guys trying yeah. to talk about w- what it was like to be African-American. In the mid-80s. In the mid-80s when we're like Trying 11. to break through a white-dominated pop music world. We have no clue with that, but I'll just say it's sad that seemed to have then been the sort of struggle that she had. Yeah. The night that she met Bobby Brown was the night she got booed at the Soul Train Awards. Met him backstage. There's something about that feels like a, a movie. It feels like a movie. It also feels like a, I won't say a, a plea for help, but it's also, if you're trying to straddle these two different worlds, yeah, getting involved with Bobby Brown is maybe one way to endear yourself to one side of that. Yeah. 
versus, uh, I don't know, doing a movie with Kevin Costner. It just stinks to think, hey, if you do this movie, this is what people will think. Yeah. Or if you do this song, this is what people will think. We're going to skip a few years ahead. She is renowned international pop star, beloved by America at large, but also there's a subset of people that boo her. She comes back a little bit by doing some New Jack Swing type stuff. It's almost like she's she doesn't have a country. She's on an island by herself trying to find her place. 1991, 10 days into the Gulf War, national anthem at the Super Bowl. On the 25th anniversary of this, ESPN.com, of all places, did like a oral history. In it, they admit, yes, they did pre-record because it was going to be impossible in a stadium like that to hear the song, the music, and time it perfectly. So they pre-recorded it. But she did sing into a dead mic. So she is singing, but we're hearing the pre-recorded track. The NFL which controls everything with the Super Bowl, obviously. Right. They were okay with it being pre-recorded for all the reasons we've talked about. But they didn't like the speed that they originally did that, that they performed it at. They wanted it done differently. Well, they changed the time they signature. They changed the time signature yeah. on it. This ESPN article explains it. It says, you have to understand, by slowing it down, Team Houston, the Florida Orchestra, not only increased the national anthem's level of technical difficulty, they amplified its soul. They made it the blues. Which to me is an important thing when you're talking about Whitney Houston and her struggle at straddling different worlds and cultures. Yeah, and this became a massive hit. Yeah, that's the blues. Three, four is not the blues. Right. Three, four is a waltz. Yep. You make it four on the floor. That (laughs) has its roots in the blues. That's what America needed. There was a war coming. Mm -hmm. Whitney comes out in her (laughs) tracksuit. It's the Super Bowl. Man, she kills it. She kills it. I don't know how I feel about the whole lip syncing thing. Reportedly, what we heard was one take in the studio. Mm -hmm. I have mixed feelings about that because she could have. It would not have been impossible. For her to have sang it live. People would sing live all the time. Mm -hmm. It was a, this is going to guarantee it's at this level. Yeah. You hear the producers talking about like, oh, jet noise and and stuff like that. And like crowd noise and all that. So all of that is very real. I kind of wish there was a way that we could hear her do it and not expecting this. Again, we get the manufactured Whitney Houston versus the... Yeah, except it's not. She did sing it. She just didn't in that moment. What would she have done in that moment? I think she would have sounded maybe not as perfect, but we don't need that. We just want to hear her kill it. Mm -hmm. Now the NFL says you have to have like a full-on recording, and that's Garth Brooks' fault. Oh, yeah. Up to the minute. He was trying to negotiate whether they were going to show his video. 
Oh, yeah. Dude, I don't know about Garth. <laughs> now, some of the stuff you're like, yeah, get him, Garth Brooks. <laughs> and other times you just think, what are you doing? Are you, are are you trying you... to sabotage your yeah. career? But it was at that point after that they said it, you have to do it. And so everyone is lip syncing. Yeah. The Red Hot Chili Peppers famously flee. His bass isn't even plugged in. Yeah. So, <laughs> Although, Matt, you know who did not lip sync? Who is that? So it can be done. Yeah, they don't want to mess with the sauce, man. They want to give the audience at home something perfect. You talked about you know that first time Whitney sang in church, and you know, people are weeping, and reportedly that was the national anthem, nineteen ninety one. People at home are watching it and yeah, are crying. Now on the other side of the argument, Matt, here's an example of the Star Spangled Banner maybe could have used a pre-recorded track. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hear as the twilight's last gleaming as the twilight's last gleaming, Scott. Maybe the NFL had a point. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. There is a bit of silliness to talking about, was it pre-recorded, was it not? As if like her voice isn't in question at all. <laughs> because it's just a few years later that she drops this on us. Is this her defining moment? I think it has to be, right? Not only was it just a major pop hit, it's a strong song. And Dolly's version is great, but Whitney just elevates it. Not only does she make the song a hit, she changes the song a little bit in a way that further showcases her own voice. And that's something that we haven't talked about, Matt, but from all that I've heard and read, Whitney's instrument was her voice, mm -hmm. and she does not get the credit for that. It wasn't the producer going like, here, go, woo! 
or here, right. slow down, or here, change the cadence. But she was the one making those decisions. Mm-hmm. The nickname, The Voice, man, I don't love that nickname. Yeah, I get it, and there's meant to be respect, but mm-hmm. there's also, it just doesn't give her credit for being the one who's making the choices of what she does with that voice. Yeah. Not to say producers didn't speak into it. She had command of that. And that, to me, is what sets her apart from Christine Aguilera or Mariah Carey or Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. I just get super annoyed when people just vamp all over the place. Christina just annoys oh my the crap out of me. Yeah. And it feels like Whitney could show her ability to do runs mm-hmm. or to do vocal gymnastics, yeah. but she didn't do it all the time, all over every track. And the Star Spangled Band is a great example of that. She didn't do some big flourish. Right. She served the song. Even in I Will Always Love You, the strength of her voice is the strength of her voice. It's not her ability to, like you said, do vocal gymnastics all over it. And she's got that great key change. She's the queen of the key change, man. Yeah. This is one that shows what a key change can do. Not even just a vehicle to showcase, oh yeah, she's got such a great voice, but it serves the song and it makes each of those songs better. All these songs are doing just fine. Yeah, they're fine on their own. When she does it, that's what makes a powerful key change is that it takes it even higher Mm -hmm. when you didn't need it to. Yeah. I've been very clear about my love for key changes. Yeah. My kids even. We were sitting in the church service the other day and song changed keys and they look at me. They're like, yeah, I'm like, nod, like, that's right. You pump your fist. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Judd Nelson at the end of Breakfast Club. <laughs> yeah. Key change. Key change. Okay, Matt, we did not get to shoot from Waiting to Exhale. There was more R&B of hers that we wanted to cover. And so we didn't really get past the general two middle-aged white dudes talking with Houston, but there's a lot more to her. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get to Bobby Brown, which is probably best. Yeah, let sleeping dogs lie. We just wanted to talk about an incredible voice, incredible memories, and celebrate our 100th. We both got to get to work. But before we do, Matt, it's our 100th Epipod. We got to have time for our senior quote. High school yearbook, underneath your picture, you have a chance to put a quote down. It's going to leave a message for people for centuries to come as they're looking at your yearbook <laughs> they dig up that time capsule yeah 200 years from now what do you want them to see so yeah. matt what is your senior quote my whitney houston senior quote is from the song i want to dance with somebody mm. but it's probably not what you think because i'm reading the lyrics and i'm thinking yeah that, that, that sounds about right for a little bit of a introverted lonely kid who's sitting up in his room playing guitar by himself sometimes just trying to figure things out but it's those opening lines Clock strikes upon the hour and the sun begins to fade. What is this? Is it Edgar Allan Poe? What's going on here? <laughs> Still enough time to figure out how to chase my blues away. I've done all right up to now. It's the light of the day that shows me how. And when the night falls, loneliness calls. Ooh, I've never thought about how okay. dark wow. that is. Yeah, It's such a poppy, upbeat song. I could sing those words, but I yeah. couldn't tell you the words. Same thing. If I started singing the, those words, I'd be like, smile on my face, snapping my fingers. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be my... Senior quote. What about yours? What's your Whitney Houston senior quote? Mine would be from Greatest Love of All. (laughs) I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadows. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I'll live as I believe. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. That's strong. It's an inspirational song, even if it's cheesy. It was a song of our time. It really was. Thank you for helping us celebrate 100 epipods. It's hard to believe. Four years, 100 epipods. Thanks to the studio audience for making it. Four more years. 
that you can engage with us on social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, Threads or X. And check out our website, finestworksongs.com. Send us an email, finestworksongs at gmail.com. We'll maybe get back to some Kenny's emails on future epipods. And we still have open for a short time our t-shirt order form. Check us out on our social media platforms. You'll find the link to that if you would like to get a Finest Work Songs t-shirt. 100 epipods. It's been fun. Looking forward to the next 100 with you, Matt. That's right. Same here. Until then, we'll go out on another Whitney Classic. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music.